All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist fitting into their schedule and of course the cost well better help can solve those problems it's totally online and built around your schedule it's surprisingly affordable too. connect with a credentialed therapist by phone video or online chat all from the comfort of your home Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on DailyFaceOff.com. Welcome to episode 250 of the DFO Rundown, brought to you by Batano 19 Plus. Please play responsibly. And of course, you can have uh, games four and five coming up of the World Series. You have uh, lots of NHL action, NBA, anything you like. Check it out, Batano.ca. Please play responsibly as we you, uh, welcome in Frank Saravalli. Do you know from, that uh, Monday? Sorry, I am from dailyfaceoff.com. Yeah. Monday was the uh, sports equinox, 29th day ever in our planet's history that NFL, NBA, MLB, and NHL all were active on the same day. Only happened 29 times. Hmm. The equinox. The equinox, eh? All right. It's the best time of the year for that reason. Well, there is so much going on right now, for sure. It's uh, I think it's April exciting. gives it a run for the money, but this October is pretty good. Late October, yeah. early November. Well, April's good because you have usually two playoffs, right? NBA and the NHL. That's probably the difference. Mm-hmm. Although there is no NFL. There is the draft, but there's no NFL games. So um, there is lots to uh, discuss, Frank. Um, we'll go around lots of different things on and off the ice. Um, let, let's start. First of all, with uh, a few teams that are rolling here, the New York Rangers, for the first time, you were telling me, in a 100-year history of this team, they win, they sweep a road trip of five games? Yeah, not quite a 100 years because the Rangers weren't formed until 1927, so we're closing in on 100 years, though. Okay, nice. And yeah, any, any road trip of five games or longer, this is the first time they've swept it. They needed a little extra time against the Canucks and Jets to end off the trip, but still pretty impressive to go Kraken, Flames, Oilers, Canucks, and Jets on the way back east. And they looked pretty good doing it. You and I saw them in person last Thursday against the Oilers. They move well. Uh, Peter Laviolette seems to have them pretty dialed in in terms of uh, what he'd like them to do. And no real surprise there. He's someone that gets almost immediate success in the first year with all of the teams that he touches. Well, you look at the Rangers right now. To me, they're winning by defending. They don't give up very much at all. Like um, Jonathan Quick might have been sitting in a rocker uh, against the Edmonton Oilers. He didn't have to make many saves that were difficult in that game at all. And, um, you know, you look at Shesterkin's numbers, although they're not out of this world good, 
Um, they're they're just solid. They don't give up a lot of shots and they don't give up a lot of scoring chances right now. They've, They've got 18 really goals against in nine games. I mean, yeah. Hey, anytime you could be uh, uh, two goals against a game, your odds are winning are pretty good. Almost, yeah, got- almost everything they've done, their power play has been excellent. Um, it's clicking at almost 35%. That's like Oilers territory from last season. I know it's, we're just a little more than 10% of the way into the season, but there they've been, there hasn't been one facet of their game really that hasn't been good. Yeah. And I think a lot of people thought the Rangers, I, I don't know if there was anybody who didn't pick the Rangers to make the playoffs. Like they're expected to be a good team. I don't know if anybody thought they'd be this dominant defensively early on, but the, they've played very well, but there is a team, Frank, who nobody thought would make the playoffs and it's early and I'm not saying they're going to make it, but what about the Anaheim ducks all of a sudden uh, winners of four in a row and uh, the road warrior ducks right now. Yeah. They also sweep a trip out East. It felt like that trip was going on forever. I know it wasn't that long by duck standards, but Columbus, Boston, Philly Pitt, Yeah. And they run through all four of those teams to be fair Two of those teams that they faced were non-playoff teams from last year, but to hand the Bruins their first defeat of any kind this year was interesting. And then the Penguins, I mean, look, I, I think we're all expecting the Ducks at some point to regress. It's they First off, they they're, they're a team that I think is incredibly thin. But beyond that, um, I'm, I'm more intrigued by the Pittsburgh Penguins, who are now considerably further behind a team like the ducks in the standings three, six and Oh, just six points to show for their first nine games. Yeah. Well, I think what we have to mention about the ducks though, Frank, so far the best production value for a free agent, Frank Vetrano, nine goals in nine games for the quackers. This guy has a career high of 24 goals with Florida uh, a few seasons ago, and he is absolutely on fire for the ducks early on. I mean, first off, it's the name, of course, Frank the Tank. There's a reason why he's he's got nine to this point. I mean, multiple hat tricks so yeah. far this season. Uh, that'll certainly help your goal total. Um, look, he's a guy that is a pretty consistent producer in terms of his activity in the NHL. He's been on a bunch of different teams. Uh, you saw him go. Uh, he was one of those playoff pickups for the Rangers a couple years back that helped them get to uh, the conference final. Like he's a, he's an interesting guy that I, I think you just plug and play. You put him right in and wind him up and watch him go. Well, he, I just you know what this is like nine and nine man is excellent production. You can't ask for a better start. You mentioned the two Hatties already, and you know Mason McTavish, a young player who. You know, had some injuries last season, and he's leading the team. He's got 11 points in, in nine games, and, you know, Strom. And then they got, you know, uh, they got some – and considering they're doing all this, you know, without Trevor Zegers doing much, he's got two points in nine games. Like, that's what's impressive to me about the Ducks is, you know what, the, the guy that they're expecting to be their offensive leader, he's got two points. Yeah, but you say all of this, and I think it all indicates that this is – about to come crashing down, is it not? I mean, or, Frank Petrano is not going to continue to produce at this pace. McTavish is probably not going to be nor- north a point per game. We know Ryan Strom isn't going to be. Trevor Zegris will bounce back. John Gibson's going to be out for a little bit, right? Um, he he left the game on Monday. I don't know how long, but it you know. By the way, watching that game, the Greg Cronin ejection it's just so rare to see a coach get tossed i mean we're talking like two or three in the last five years yes he's got you know what greg cronin has very real dean evison uh vibes behind the bench does he not like he's one of those guys that you feel like he's looking at you and he's piercing your soul he the thing about cronin is uh talking to two players there frank like so far, like first impressions, they're just his intensity. They feel is like magnetic a little bit. And, you know, it's early, but for a team that hasn't had a lot of success, you suddenly get a little taste of success. You have a new coach who's got this real positive vibe, who's really intense. And all of a sudden, you know, guys gravitate towards that a little bit. And I think I'm not saying the Ducks are going to make the playoffs. It's not what I'm saying, but they've been infinitely more competitive than, than people thought they would be. 
right? Like a lot of people thought the Ducks would be at the bottom of the standings. And, uh, you know, like the San Jose Sharks are at the bottom of the standings, like not even close. But the Ducks have been competitive. And, you know, you got to give the coach credit. They obviously brought in some new players and some young guys. We mentioned McCavish and stuff. But I think a lot of people question that hiring, and it's early. But uh, you could see why Pat Verbeek hired him so far. Why would people question it? Well, there was people saying, geez, why, you know, because uh, there's a little bit. Because they don't know him. It, that's that's the yes. truth. If you if Fair. you were questioning it, you'd say you're, what you're really telling everyone is I don't know Greg Cronin or who he is. I don't know his body of work. I don't know the time that he spent as an NHL assistant. I don't know the good teams that he had in Colorado the last few years in the AHL. He's been an NCAA head coach. Like he he's done it at almost every level and multiple different stints at every level. and. If you didn't know intensity before, you'd know it after seeing him for five minutes. Like I said, pierces your soul. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? Good for the Ducks. To me, it's, it's, it's better to have more competitive teams in the league. Right? You don't necessarily want the guaranteed free bingo spaces, and the Ducks have definitely not that. There's, you know, The Sharks would be that right now, and uh, other than that, um, I think it's pretty good. Um, there are some teams and others, speaking of the Ducks, who they beat Pittsburgh last night, Frank. They're now three and six. And I wonder when it becomes concerning for the Penguins. I mean, wouldn't it not be already? You're 12% of the way into the season? Mm-hmm. I mean... There was a lot of change made, and I think everyone has to allow for the idea of this team to gel and set. And there's a big adjustment made, of course, with their power play. But I don't know. I mean, they've really struggled to defend has been a huge part of it. Like, how much of that are you placing on Tristan Jari in net, or is it the defense? Like, and to me, that's, it was one night, one night, one game. I saw them on opening night when Connor Bedard was there. And I, the first thing I thought of was that looks like the same way the Penguins have defended for the last couple of years, which is not good enough. Can't get out of their own end. And then you see Jari open up now seven starts, 893 save percentage. I don't, I don't place it all on him. I think it's more about what's going on around him. Well, what's funny about, you know, you, you look at the Penguins, like they're, they're actually, they can score five on five, right? I, I think they got the fourth or fifth most goals, five on five, but uh, they're, they're also giving up a lot five on five, right? So it's, that to me is right now, they're playing probably a little bit too much uh, pond hockey that they would like. As much as they, they give, they're giving it back, right? They take and they give uh, too much right now for Pittsburgh's liking. And um, their power play though, Frank, early on has really struggled. It was interesting. I spoke to Josh Yoey. Uh, covers the Penguins, and he feels that, you know, the biggest thing is they got to let Carlson do more on the power play. Like, right now, he's, like, they don't really have anybody who's taking charge of their power play, and that's what Carlson does. And so I, I wonder if if we'll see that improve. But what does that five mean? On five scoring is not a problem, but their power play right now is being a neat. So what does that mean? Someone needs to take take control or take charge and do more. Well, if you look, watch the Oilers' power play. It's McDavid and Drysaddle, and everything runs through them. Right. And it seems like now they're like, well, geez, there's Sid and there's and there's Malkin and neither one of them have ever necessarily like they don't run the power play the way the McDavid and Drysaddle do. Or even look at Toronto's power play. Right. Like Marner and Matthews, like it's pretty well, Nylander, too. But you look at it's much more authoritative, I would say. Watching the, the two Pittsburgh games I've watched, when I see their power play, it looks like, no, you have the puck. No, now you touch it. OK, everybody gets to touch it. And to me, that I don't think that necessarily works. Like everybody but, knows what Washington was going to do on their power play for years, Frank, and it worked, right? Like you knew exactly what you were going to do. Yeah, but like, could anyone not have foreseen this coming with Malkin, Crosby, and Carlson, three first ballot Hall of Famers on one? Well, they had Chris Dang before. It's not like he's chopped liver. No, I, I know, but what I'm saying is like, first off, it's operated one way consecutively for 18 years, whatever it is, 19 years. So take that part out of it. And like, could anyone have not seen this coming? Meaning it would be a pretty big adjustment. Did you, yeah, did you think it would be plug and play? 
Yeah, you're talking something. Well, they've had a month plus preseason, right? Like it shouldn't to me when you got we're talking the best players in the game here. It's not like you're putting a bunch of third liners who you're hoping are going to find some chemistry. Like these guys have figured out offensive sets before. Okay, chemistry nonetheless. Like sometimes it doesn't make sense. You put good players together and they don't work. How else do you explain what's happening in Calgary with Jonathan Huberto and at times Cadre or Lindholm or whoever you try and you know, plug players in with, it doesn't, it hasn't worked. Doesn't, it's a different situation because you're talking even strength versus power play, but still, I mean, Carlson, we've seen this before in San Jose when Brent Burns was there, different situation, but still it's not always seamless. And I, I'd been saying, you know, go back to, you know, July, August, when this trade was made, it's not necessarily just, Swap them out and everything's going to be great because you added a hundred point defenseman. Yeah. Now speaking of Carlson, um, look at look at the offensive void he left. For people who thought, oh yeah, Carlson, yeah, look at San Jose without Eric Carlson. They're averaging one goal a game. They've played nine games. They've scored more than one goal once in nine games in an offensive time in the NHL, and they have more than one goal. Once is that nine games? It is. They've scored one goal six times. They've been shut out twice, and they have three once when Carolina was leaking goals for fun. That's it. It is. Oh, it's actually kind of like I'm sorry. I hate to laugh, but it it actually is kind of funny. Like that is crazy, honestly. Like you, we're we're talking. There's a chance here we could see them. I, I looked, Frank. In the 2000s, there's only one team that ever didn't win at least 20 games. And that was the Thrashers in 2002. But that's when we still had ties. And they had 11 ties. So even if one of them would have went to a shootout, you know, out of 11, they might have won one of them. You know what I mean? Well, so, we'll see how long this goes. But Ray Ferraro tells some great stories of that Thrashers team. He said after they finally did win, they, they hoisted the trash can around in their dressing room like it was the cup. Yeah. Well, they uh, probably got that. They probably got that from the Washington Capitals. Ronnie Lowe told me that when the Capitals won eight games, I think that was in 1975 or 76, they actually did it on the ice. They took the trash can onto the ice when they finally won a game. Unreal. I mean, look, the Sharks, when you said that, I I went over and I looked at the Sharks scoring list so far this season. So you got Tomas Hurdle, who, by the way, is I think only in year two of his eight-year deal. Mm -hmm. Um. He's got five points in nine games. Then you've got Fabian Zetterland, who has three, and third in team scoring with just two points. Two points will get you to third place in team scoring. Philip Zadina. Unbelievable. It is going to be a long season. They got two guys that aren't even on their roster anymore that have as many points as Philip Zadina, Thomas Bordalo and Henry Thrun. <laughs> they're not, they're not, they're back, they're back in the minors. Yeah. Yikes, man. It's a, uh, it's not going to be good there. Now I do. Let's talk about some teams that are uh, other teams that are rolling. It is early, but you look at the month of October. Uh, happy Halloween, by the way, for everybody. Uh, what's your Montreal- favorite? What's your go-to? What's your favorite Halloween candy? Oh God. Um, I probably would go. God, I like everything. I'm a sweet tooth. Uh, poor really, but I would go with uh, that. simple. The mini Kit Kats. Huh? Why mini? Yeah. Why not just full size? Well, actually, hey, Frank, I'll send you a picture, buddy. You should see my house. We got last year, we had 185 kids. And uh, the year before, we had 160. So I think it keeps going up because there's more development in our neighborhood. So I bought 216 full size chocolate bars. We got 14 different types. So the kids get to come to the table and pick what they like. So I, I stopped over your house on Saturday. It was awesome. We, after 250 episodes now of the rundown, we got our families finally a chance to meet our wives, our our sons. It was great. Um, I could see why your neighborhood is like one of the perfect trick or treating neighborhoods. Like you can get around very yeah. nicely, yeah. Uh, and it's not it's it's some walking, but not a ton. Like you can get through, you can you can hit a lot of houses in your neighborhood. My son, he's now, we kind of sat down the other day and mapped out his route for Halloween to be the most efficient, right? He can leave our house and go east and he'll go all the way around two cul-de-sacs, come back. He can empty his bag. Then he can go west 
and it's even longer, come back. And then he can go up uh, north a bit where there's a, a brand new development that's now fully finished. And I think I count in there, there's like another 70 houses. So yeah, he's got, uh, he's got lots of places to go with uh, where he can, you know, kind of drop off the, uh, um, the pillowcase, empty it out and reload. So it's so, fun. I mean, come on. Is that not like straight out of home alone? You map out your route so you can maximize oh, hey. your candy. Buddy, you got to be efficient, right? I told him, I said, you can go this way and never have to cross the street till you come back home. You have to cross the street because you go on the one side and it's a cul-de-sac. You don't even have to cross the street till you come back uh, to the neighbors across from us and then cross it once. And then you go the other way, all the way on the one side of the road, all the way around through everything comes back. Wait, so, so you don't go with him? Uh, he's now nah, him and his buddies are going to go together this year. We, we've okay. done it in the past, but this year, uh, the two neighbor boys, like he's almost 10. The other guys are 11 and 12. So they don't, you know, and they don't need dad hanging around. So I'll sit on the front porch and hand out candy and get to see everybody. And huh. um, it's actually probably- my favorite part about going. I, I, yeah. I just bring like one of those, um, you know, like a little trolley or tra- you know, one of those yeah, red yeah, wagons, yeah. a wagon. Yeah. And I throw a bunch of beers in there and, Walk through the neighborhood right in the middle of the street. Oh, yeah. No, it's good. But is he, there anything better than that? That and what? like the, the second best part of Halloween is, you know, hold on. Come over. Bring your bag over. I got to check it. Dad has to check yeah. it and make sure there's nothing weird or any drugs in here. Well, AKA, what's funny is take it's it's the first draft of the candy selection. You get the first round pick. Yeah. Like my son, he's he's in a shop. There's lots he doesn't like. Like he's very particular about certain things. So like he doesn't drink pop because he hates carbonation. So there's always a few pops and, you know, I don't really drink pop, but anyway, but then there's lots of like gummies. He doesn't eat like Skittles, any of that. He doesn't really like. Oh, and that's, so my, that that's my jam. Yes. So that goes into the separate pile. And um, we found out here in the hospitals that a lot of times there's people that they need sweets when they're going through surgery and stuff. So then we end up going donate some of it because otherwise I'd eat it all and that's not good for me. So nice. Yeah. I'm a sour patch kid. Oh, yeah. Any kind of gummy candy is what that's what I'm into. Oh, I love the sour. Yeah. It's got to be the sour patch, sour patch or sour Skittles. Well, I'm all over it. So the worst candy though, like I know you guys have candy corn. Thankfully, we don't have much candy corn here, but they do have the one. Candy. It's orange and black. It's got like it's molasses toffee. If you hand that out to children, you basically are saying, I hate kids. I don't know. I don't know what one you're talking about. Maybe we yeah, well, yeah, you're right. Because it's it shouldn't, it should be banned. It's even awful. like the crappy, like like I I think the, along the same lines, like the York peppermint patty. Who hands that out to kids? What kid likes a peppermint patty? Yeah, like, love, my kids are always complaining about the almond joy. Uh, I, I happen to like the almond joy. Yeah. Uh, we have that in Canada regularly anyway. So a hundred grand bar, like even some of the cheesy chocolate bars, like I kind of like hundred grand bar. Yeah, you don't have that. that either. What no, about take no. five? Nope. See, you got Canada has shitty candy. I say this all the time. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, no. Take five bar. Like no, now do you guys, you guys take have five arrow? bar. It's got pretzels in it. Oh, pretzel, wow. chocolate, caramel. I mean, yeah. what else like, could you want? It's like the people who go and get those big pretzels at a game. Like, why? You're just eating condensed dough. I think it's the worst food ever. I hate pretzels. Oh, other than you haven't the, had a than, good, you haven't had a good soft pretzel then. Come, no. Come to Philly. I'll get you a good soft no. pretzel. I'll have one and I won't like it. Dude, soft pretzels are our thing here, man. Yeah. I don't know. No, we uh, we used to when I was a kid, we used to have guys out on the street corner hawking pretzels, and uh, so you'd be driving down the street at a red light, and they'd come over and sell you a quick bag of hot pretzels. I'm like, I was always like, how do they make it hot? How do how are these pretzels hot? In a microwave. It turns no, it turns out the guy would stand there and at the red light, if no one was buying, he'd hold them down near your muffler. Oh come on. Hot pretzels. Get your hot pretzels. Oh, geez. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hey, mixed in with a little methane. Love it. Mm. Unbelievable. Get your uh, hot well, I'm not sure he would. I'm not sure that guy would be the uh, the generous guy of the week. Although maybe someone would say, hey, he's doing whatever he can to make it warm. So uh, let's get to that, Frankie. Yeah, let's get to the generous guy of the week presented by Crown Royal. Uh, and this time uh, – we're going to go in a little bit of a different direction with the generous guy of the week. It's it's in honor of Adam Johnson, and it's on behalf of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, their clip, and and if you had a chance to watch their intro to the game on Monday night, it was 
it was really moving. All of the Penguins players uh, were standing around there um, with the Ducks players around the center ice circle. And, and lots of those guys had, there's still a few holdovers from Pittsburgh when uh, Adam Johnson made his NHL debut and also scored his first NHL goal. They showed the video of that in the locker room, him getting the player of the game award from Sidney Crosby. Pretty special. And what I loved about the ceremony was as awful as the story is with Adam Johnson passing away at the age of 29 during a game on Saturday night in England is just instead of a moment of silence, they had everyone stand in the building and cheer. And that was incredibly moving. Yeah. You know what? I saw it. I really enjoyed it. It's, it's kind of like a celebration of life. And I, I find that that's, you know, a lot better, um, you know, for somebody like that, especially for Penguins fans, because you think about it when he played for them and, and any team he's played for, you know, the fans are usually cheering for, for somebody. So I think it's kind of fitting in a hockey environment that they uh, they elected to do that. And it's uh, it, it's definitely, uh, you know, a situation you don't see very often. So uh, kudos to the uh, to the Penguins, their organization, uh, you know, to me. Uh, that kind of goes above that fits right in for a generous guy. Anybody doesn't know what it is. It's somebody who goes out of their way to help a teammate. And, and obviously this is a former teammate. Uh, generous generosity lives in small things with uh, crown Royal. And uh, that's what they did. It's a small thing. But I think when you think of uh, Adam Johnson's family and his friends and to see him honored in that way is a very special uh, moment for them. in in obviously a, a horrific time in their life. Yeah. And it's, it's nice to, to take a step back and, and look, this is horrific every which way. But the response from the hockey community, not surprising time and time again how it comes together, whether it's at the Heritage Classic or before that, um, buildings around the league that had no connection to Adam Johnson. This hits everyone so hard. Current players, former players, doesn't matter. Uh, hockey parents, youth hockey players. This is a tough one for everyone to try and wrap their head around. I know, Frank, you and I were discussing this at the Heritage Classic. We were just sitting there chatting before the game. And uh, our boys are the same age. They're both nine. And uh, we were talking about it. And they were like, well, do you think they'll make it mandatory in the NHL? And I'm like, well, you know, it's mandatory in minor hockey. And you were just like, no, it isn't. And I'm like, in Canada it is. But in the U.S., it's not mandatory for young kids to wear a neck protector. It's recommended, but not mandatory, which I'll be honest, that, that kind of surprised me. Yeah, I'd say coaching our youth hockey team, 9U, I think my son is the only one. There might be one additional player, but almost no one wears one. Hmm. And I think having it mandated, but here, here's the thing. It, it should be mandated. There's no question about that. But look at the NHL. How many players in today's NHL wear neck protection? You nah, see some many. goalies that don't, which nah. is incredible to me. Yeah, now so that you can't even make the argument, though, that if you were to mandate it in USA hockey the way that it is in Hockey Canada, that players would stick with it and continue to wear it because that's not the case. Yeah, no, and that's fair. And I think they'll have the conversation. I understand, you know, the initial reaction is, well, it should be mandated in the NHL because, you know, you don't there's obviously it's very freakish. Right. You think about it like Clint Malarchuk and, and Zednik had had uh, their necks. Uh, slash, but uh, they both survived, thankfully, in the National Hockey League. And you think of all the games that are played in the NHL, the AHL, the East Coast League, Sweden, Finland, Czech Republic, you know, name all the pro leagues around the world. And, you know, we see something like this in England, and it's obviously extremely rare. And so, you know, I, I know it's wild. You don't put it in because, yeah, sure, it can happen. And it's very true. It can happen. But I also see the other side where they say, hey, this is, you know, like 0.0000, whatever the percentage is. I don't care. Do, do we have to do it? I think what you'll see is you saw some players in the American League do it themselves. I think that that's probably what's going to happen here. I know, Frank, you and I, you were talking about like TJ Oshie's a player who's, and, and there's other ones now that have it where you have your undergarment shirt and it's basically like a turtleneck, right? And the neck protector is just built in. Now, we don't Why know. Why wouldn't you wear like, that? It doesn't, yeah. does it inhibit you in any way and you get protection. It, it's, look, this is it, this is an extremely odd thing for me as a hockey parent. Saturday morning, this is always my worst nightmare. Kids, and compared to pro, 
Kids are all over the place. Yes, well, the I agree ice. with you there. Dog yeah. piles in the corner, jumping on the goalie after the game, whatever it might be, there's a million ways for kids to end up with a skate cut somewhere. Um, I happen to be on TJ Oshie's apparel company. It's called War Road, named after the town where he's from, War Road, Minnesota, home of the Christian Brothers as well. It's called War Road Hockey. They they create. They were the first to create this shirt that has not just neck protection but also uh, sleeve protection for your wrists. Yes. I happened to order this shirt on Saturday morning, the same day Adam Johnson died. It like it sent chills down my spine when I was sitting at dinner on Saturday night and saw that that yeah. news come across my screen. I don't, if you look at the shirt, my, my son already had a couple other shirts that had the neck, but not the wrist. It, he doesn't know, first off, he doesn't know any different. And second, it's not annoying or painful to play with. I don't know why you wouldn't, you wear something under your gear anyway, the same kind of tech material that this is. Why wouldn't you just throw that on this on there? It doesn't make any sense to me. No, I think, you know what? It's it's one where you'll probably have some players think about it, but I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I was quite surprised at minor hockey level where the kids can't really control themselves, especially at the younger ages, right? They're falling all over the place. You mentioned the doggy piles, and and that's um that's a, a situation where I think it's possible. Now, I remember the neck protectors we had. Like in Canada, it's gone back when I played. Like we're talking, you know, 25 years ago when I was playing minor hockey, that it was mandatory. So that's why I was kind of surprised that it's been that many years. And it hasn't been there. Do you think USA Hockey will consider implementing it? Yeah, I think they already are talking about it. It would take a rule change and they'd have to get everyone together to do it. But I think it's something that they're going to consider. But I wanted to go back to the pro part of this, of what you were saying earlier about how rare this is. I mean, we've seen a lot of skate cuts to the face. We saw one last week, Jacob Lauko. Yeah, right, right in the eye. Like we've seen really close calls on the face. We've seen skate cuts all over the body, leg, thigh, Achilles, whatever it might be, arm. We see them all the time. Skates are flying. This is not, I don't think this is as rare as you think it is. I just think that they're just typically don't result in death. I think the fact yeah, well, that we could do a little better to prevent even the the other ones from happening and we're not doing it, I don't know why there would be any pushback from the NHLPA, which just to make clear, the NHL has been trying to push and mandate these exact garments that we're talking about for like two years now. And the PA has pushed back and said, we'd like players to have freedom of choice. If you've listened to this pod, you know that I am all about freedom of choice. But in this case, it helps protect players from themselves and it's not intrusive. I don't know why you'd, you'd push back against wearing this. That's the same question why more players with all the shot blocking, why they don't wear the plastic over their skates to protect broken bones, right? Because, you know, it is safer, but lots of them, it's all about comfort and, you know, fashion over function sometimes. So we'll, uh, we'll see how it goes. But, um, uh, you know, again, uh, our condolences to the, uh, to Adam Johnson, everybody, all his teammates and friends and family. It obviously a scary situation, uh, for everybody over there. And, uh, we did see that, uh, starting, uh, January 1st in, in England now, neck protector uh, will be mandatory. So it's, uh, the next two months it's optional, but starting January 1st over there. So they've implemented it pretty quickly. So we'll see where it goes. The pride Let's, uh, of, uh, Hibbing, Minnesota. Um, yeah. Minnesota Duluth star. Just hate to see it. Really yeah. tough. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Let's bring in uh, Tyler Uramchuk. Ty, how you doing? I'm doing good, gentlemen. I'm locked and loaded with a fresh edition of Fill in the Blank, and it is delivered by our friends at DoorDash for a limited time. Our Canadian listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees when they download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code NATION25. If you're running out of time to run errands, go grocery shopping and cook that delicious meal for the holiday gathering you agreed to host. DoorDash can help you out with all of that. Ding dong. Dash that for the win. Uh, All right, let's get into it. I got three set up here for you guys. Off the jump, you talked about the New York Rangers and just how damn good they're looking defending. Well, that blue line is just so mobile. Uh, I want to know, fill in the blank, your top three teams in the Eastern Conference. Who are the three that you think have the best shot at winning the Stanley Cup, Frank? I don't think it's changed all that much, to be honest. Like, Like, Toronto is off to a good start. I think you'd have to include the Bruins. So I'd say uh, I'm going to go with Carolina, Boston, and the Rangers right now. The Devils have been good. The Leafs have been good. But I'm going to go with Carolina, Boston, Rangers. Only if the Rangers can continue to defend this way. Because we were talking the last few years about how much of a sloppy mess they were in their own end Mm -hmm. and how over-reliant they were on Chesterkin. If that's not the case, I think this team has the goods to go on a deep run. Yep. Okay. Well, uh, the uh, the Laviolette factor has mm-hmm. to play in. Like all that guy does is get his teams to Stanley Cup Finals. So um, I would I would definitely have the Rangers in. Uh, I will have the uh, the Leafs because I still think they're going to make an addition at the uh, at the trade deadline. And uh, yeah, t- I'll probably put Boston in. Right now, they I was grossly wrong on them to start to see. I know the feeling. Uh, all right, let's go to the other end of the spectrum here. We're kind of getting to that point 10% of the way through the season through the first month where it's like, okay, if you're slow out of the gates, like this is maybe more than just a slow start. So I want to know the coach whose seat should be the hottest right now is blank, Jason. You know what? Um... That's a good question because I'm not sure I see one who's um, like, like if you're San Jose, you know, you could get rid of David Quinn, but why? I think you want to keep your team crappy all year long and give yourself the best odds to to win. So uh, I would go, this might sound strange guys because he's been there for so long and is a new GM. I'll go in Pittsburgh. It's the only one I really see. I don't, I don't necessarily actually, I don't, I'll change that. I'll go Craig Berube yeah. in St. Louis. I mean, Craig Berube in St. Louis, they can't score to save their life. So it might be. Him. I was going to say, it doesn't, it feels like Mike Sullivan's just so ingrained in everything they do there that it'd be hard to see that. Berube would have been my pick as well. Frank, do you have something different? Yeah, I'm going to say DJ Smith. Still, if the Sens continue yeah. to scuffle along, that's got to be the guy, new owner. I know that. You know, Pierre Dorian obviously likes DJ Smith. This is year five, but six, 12, and one is what sunk them last year. They're four and four. And yeah, have they hit a couple potholes along the way already? Yes. Uh, but that shouldn't excuse what would be another poor start if they can't continue to pile up some wins. And so DJ Smith is my guy. I just, I think there's a single digit percent chance that. Mike Sullivan is fired. Yeah. He is so wired in with Fenway sports group 
And I also think he's shown like demonstrated over the last decade that he is one of the very best coaches in the league. I, I don't, I don't think this is a Sullivan thing. I think this is a personnel thing. This is an old team and also a team that doesn't, they're not fast. They don't, they're not burning up the ice. Um, I think it's way more personnel related than coach related. Yeah, I think I tend to agree with you on that. The one thing that really stood out in kind of doing this exercise as I was trying to come up with my own answer was just the fact that there are so many teams and divisions where it is. St- I know they're only 10 games in, but like you look at the Atlantic, every team is either at 500 or only one game below. The Sabres are one game below. Like that division is going to be an absolute dogfight the entire season. It's going to be crazy. But I actually want to make a point on that because hockey has changed really significantly in the last five to seven years. 500 doesn't mean anything anymore. 500 gets you like sixth or seventh place in your conference. 500 is 82 points. If you yeah, go 500 is terrible. It's bad. It's, uh, it's, it's awful. So you need to be much closer to seven than five. Yeah. Um, and it, it goes to show you, this is why I think the math becomes important is for certain teams that have piled up a great start, some of them will get to the point where all they need to do the rest of the way is play 500 in order to get to 96 points. So that's why the math becomes overwhelming for teams uh, so early on. You can take your favorite team, 96 points minus what they have now, and figure out what they need to do the rest of the way. It kind of becomes easy. All right. Since the 2012-2013 season, there has only been one NHL team fail to get to 50 points on the season. And that was the Colorado yes. Avalanche back in 16-17. They still have the same coach from then, by the way. Which is awesome. And he won a Stanley Cup. I That is like a, t- it's a total aside, but I always feel so bad for the coach who's got to slog through the rebuild. Then like the first year, the team's like not living up to expectations out of it. It's like, and you're gone. So it's nice to see that uh, Jared Bednar can live through it. But the question is about the San Jose Sharks, guys. I know you touched on it a little bit earlier on, but the Sharks will finish with blank points this year. They're going to be worse than that Avs team, Frank. I don't, I mean, it's pretty bad to be that Avs team. <laughs> I don't. I don't think they're going to be quite that bad at some point. Um, you're going to get Couture back. They're going to catch some teams by surprise later in the year as it goes on. Cause everyone's going to be sleeping on the shark. Jay's shaking his head. He, he's going, no, this team is going to be worse. That abs team was so exceptionally bad though. Like I, I just, is it the, the question is, is it going to be worse? And I, my answer is no. Last okay, year. so just so you know, the, how many games did that 2017 Avs team win? 22. You know how many games the Sharks won last year? 22. They don't have Eric Carlson this year. Trust me, I said it. I said it when the season began. The Sharks are going to be the first team to win fewer than 20 games. <laughs> Mark it down. It's happening now. You know what? That 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 uh, Avalanche team didn't. Get, they only had four overtime losses. Right. Uh, usually the bad teams find a way to get close and they get their bonus points here or there. I don't see the Sharks doing it. Honestly, I think the Sharks are going to win 18 games this year. The crazy still, I'm looking back on that abs team from 16, 17, 48 points. The most wild part about it is they made the playoffs the following season. Yeah. Yeah. Doubled their point. 90, total, they went they? from 48 to 95. Ooh, almost wow. Well, they had some key injuries and, but yeah, yeah they, uh, that, that's a banana sandwich. I'm sorry. It wasn't. And look at some of the players they had on that team, Frank. McKinnon, Duchesne, Rantanen, Tyson, yes. Barry, Landeskog, uh, Jerome Ginla was there for 61 miserable games that year. Eric Johnson on the back end. I mean, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, that is uh, wild. I don't see that same. Sort and of by the way, Calvin the Pickard had a had a 905 save percentage that year and played 50 games, and they still only had 48 points. Yeah. Um, insane it's also crazy the sharks lost 16 games in overtime last year and that wasn't even the most in the league the flames had 17 last season that is wild all right that is a wrap on this week's edition of fill in the blank that promo code to get our canadian listeners 25 percent off and zero delivery fees on their first order of 15 dollars or more nation 25 up at the top of your screen if you're watching on youtube thanks guys Frank, I know you were uh, in edmonton um for the heritage classic i thought the weather was perfect um, oh. ideal that the ice was fast. It wasn't too cold for the crowd. 
you know, obviously you have that many people that, you know, it's a little cluster at times uh, in the first intermission, second intermission, lots of people stayed and watched Nickelback for the three songs in the crowd, but uh, you know, picturesque overall, I, I thought, you know, I gave it a, you know, a, a nine out of 10. It was uh, it was solid event. Uh, you've been to a few of these. How'd you rank it? Why would you take a point away? I give it a 10, like honestly, and I'm not, there's no BS here. It says good or better than anyone that I've been to. Okay. I thought the fan fest downtown was great. Uh, I love that it's free and open to the public. There were a ton of people there, some hardcore hockey fans, but a lot of families and kids, casual fans just getting into the game. Nice free event. Um, I thought the scene and setting at heritage was great Um, inside Commonwealth. Like they, I thought the way they dressed up the field was cool. Uh, I thought the the uniforms looked great. The Nickelback was a nice touch. The weather, as you mentioned, I mean, you couldn't draw up any more perfect ODR weather than that. You'd no. still get a good little sweat in, not freezing, as Leon Dreisaitl said, not annoying. wasn't that cold. And everything about it kind of worked out really nicely. Yeah, no. I, uh, the only reason I gave him a nine, Frank, well, there was, um, there was a massive backlog uh, just before the game to get across. I stood the in it twice. Place. Yeah, so people for, didn't for like twenty-five that. or thirty minutes each time, just you neck, go. you know, wall to wall with people. But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna knock the event for that. That's Commonwealth yeah. Stadium being a fifty-plus-year-old stadium that isn't properly set up for this. But yeah, that's not the NHL's fault. I don't, I don't take anything away from the event for that. Yeah. Uh, overall, it was a success. Uh, you know, Edmonton got a win. We talked about Calgary. My goodness, they got their offense. Look, like that first five-on-three power play, they barely got a shot. And five-on-five, uh, five, they didn't generate anything. I think they had two high-danger chances the entire game. They had zero high-danger chances, Frank. Zero slots from the shot, uh, slots from the shot, and zero chances off the cycle through 40 minutes at five-on-five. Five. Like, that's almost unheard of. Yeah, I did... Look, there's a lot of reasons to be concerned about the Flames this year and what's going on, and we'll we'll dive into them more later this week when we connect for our next pod. But I did like that they showed some kind of sign of life because the way those first seven minutes of the game started, that could have been a seven or eight to one game. That's true. That's a very and true. they were helped a lot by the five on threes and power plays that they had. Yeah. That that'll certainly shave off a few minutes of of scariness since it is Halloween, yeah. but. Um, there, there's a lot to dissect with the flames and Frank, before we shut down the pod, we need to tell everybody about the, the new promo, the new contest that's going to be launching at dailyfaceoff.com. It's the new survivor pool and it's brought to you by Wendy's and their new obsession, the very real barbecue bacon cheeseburger. So while you, while you obsess about your dream team, reward that dedication with Wendy's new obsession, the very real barbecue bacon cheeseburger freshly added to their lineup. Enjoy the eight applewood smoked bacon and crispy onions as cheese melts over fresh but never frozen Canadian beef. And most importantly, get ready for this because the winner is going to take home $5,000 cash. 5G in cash. And it's not a, it's not a typical survivor where if you pick the, uh, the and they lose, you're out for the rest of the year. You can play every week. There's lots of different ones that you can play in. And it, whoever Prizes has the every most week. points at the end is going to uh, to win the 5G. And then also you mentioned uh, prizes every week. So uh, that's coming hey. to Daily Faceoff uh, very soon. Saturday on my way back downtown after wheeling out of your house, I went to the Wendy's there in St. Albert, got a little barbecue bacon cheeseburger, and it was, not going to lie, it was pretty Top good. Top shelf. Yeah. Oh, the bacon, the double bacon cheeseburger Wendy's. That's my favorite burger there for sure. For sure. All right, Frank, uh, have a good week. Happy Halloween to everyone. Safe trick-or-treating. Be nice to the kids, including the teenagers. All right? There's nothing worse than being rude to the teenagers. Let them uh, enjoy youth as long as they can, because as we all know, adult life sucks. So uh, at times, not all the time, just sometimes. So uh, enjoy the teenagers. Enjoy the kids. Be safe, and we'll talk to you later this week. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Sarah and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.